Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back, Why Though listeners. I'm so glad you tuned into this episode of Why Though. Today we are talking about why ambition is not a dirty word, though. Because so many can feel like it is. And there's a lot of dirty words in the world, but this does not need to be one of them. Right, Amen. Ashley? Correct. <laughs> I can remember as a little girl, um, you know, I used to close my bedroom door and then I would in my closet, we had like a loft and underneath it was the closet and I would line up all of my stuffed animals and then I would stand in the closet doors and I would basically just give them this beautiful message about how they could have hope and how their life could be awesome and they were amazing and just would preach to them. But it stands out to me on this topic of ambition that that is something I always wanted to do behind closed doors. Never something I thought it was okay to do that in public um, or something that I should pursue publicly, this communication gift that God had given me from a very young age. Um, And so that's very interesting. Sorry about all the stuffed animals, but, you know, that was my way in the world. You know what? You were just Tony Robbins it, but (laughs) (laughs) someone had to do it. Someone had to do it. (laughs) Now, Ashley, tell me, where were you on the scale of stuffed animals? Kingston, my son, calls them stuffies. He adds an extra T in the end. It's so sweet. Were you 0 to 10, 10 to 20, 20 plus? Most definitely about 10 to 20. And so many of them, um, the dolls were in boxes still because we weren't allowed to play with them. So like Cabbage Patch doll collectibles or whatever it might be, or maybe a really nice doll that cost a lot of money. We couldn't play with those. So they were just chilling in boxes. So um, to be honest, if there had been a photo, it probably would have looked quite creepy because it'd be like Teddy Ruxpin, Alf, <laughs> a Cabbage Patch doll in a box. Like that's, that's a very strange audience, you know? <laughs> They needed the. They needed a good word, though. They they really did. Get out of the box should have been the title of my sermon. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? How your natural raw talent and your passion was present even mm-hmm. as a child, and look how you're spending your days now. That's beautiful. It's amazing. For me, I would spend my fifteen minute recesses at. <laughs> In elementary school, outside, organizing plays, I was the screenwriter, excuse me, playwright. I was the playwright. (laughs) And I was the recruiter, casting director. Mm -hmm. Of course. All of it. Of course. Director. Yep. Extraordinaire. Mm -hmm. And I was just living my best life. And I was so excited. I would get, I, I went to a school where you weren't taught in a group, you individually taught yourself they just gave you the book and then you had to read it and do the work so if you got done early that day is that funny to you Ashley Mm -hmm. a little bit funny yep (laughs) yeah independent learning as it was called and so I would race through my work hope for the best (laughs) so I could write the plays that every in my best handwriting because I wasn't Mm -hmm. allowed to use the copy machine and And computers weren't enrolled yet and I, yeah, and so I had to make multiple copies in my best handwriting so everyone could have a script. And I was so excited about it. I was so excited. I did this for like three years. I mean, that's oh, unbelievable. I'm yeah. super proud of you. Thank you. I'm uh-huh. long obedience in the same direction. Yeah. <laughs> 
and master recruiter, by the way. Like you still are like this, you recruiting people around a mission. It's powerful. I see a need. I see someone who's gifted and their passion could fit that need. And I think this can go. This You're can go right. Down. It's this awesome. I love it. But I remember somebody, somebody telling me, oh, you should just go play. Hmm. And I was looking at them like, I'm having the time of my life. Like, this is so much fun. Mm -hmm. How dare you tell me to go play? And they're like, oh, you don't have to do all this. You don't have to organize all this. Somebody else can do this. You should be playing at Reese's, having fun. And then I was like, "Mm, I'm having the time of my life. Step off. Also, play has a purpose. Duh. (laughs) You know what? And I I would have never been able to internalize that. But it's true, isn't it? Play really has so much purpose. (laughs) <laughs> but it is, it can get real sticky and real dehumanizing when we as women aren't able to walk in our ambition. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a faith community where ambition was painted as sinful, to be hmm. honest. And for men something, as well, Tiffany, or just yeah, for women? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. for everybody. It was something to crucify because a passage was taken out of context mm-hmm. or, you know, a translation, right? Mm-hmm. And so our ambition, our selfish, selfish ambition, mm-hmm. for sure, that doesn't need to have a place in our walk with the Lord. But ambition for ambition's sake, which when coupled with grit, is something real great. It can really yeah. work in our favor and it can really push us the extra mile, I think, is necessary and helpful to get things done. I agree. And that passage that you're talking about from Philippians 2, you know, in verse 3, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And so it's Mm -hmm. interesting that it puts selfish in front of ambition. So it doesn't say don't do anything out of ambition. And if you think about all the characters in the Bible, or even Paul himself, who was talking about this, like talk about a man with ambition, right? Like how many churches did he plant? How many leaders was he leading? How many days and weeks and months did he travel around with ambition to carry the gospel forward? Like, had he been a man with no ambition, how would any of this, you know, be be at our fingertips today? And so I think it's so important that we as faith people don't take that scripture out of context. It's not, It's saying, yes, don't do anything that's selfish um and and apparently we need to know that it doesn't go without saying i guess but at the same time he's not sitting here saying don't do anything without ambition it's a really important quality in order for us to fulfill our purpose and to fulfill our calling we need ambition absolutely and just to add a few female bible characters to paul Please. you think of deborah you think of yes. mary magdalene do you think of priscilla in the new yes. testament yes there's so many women who were getting it done yes. and moving forward because they knew they had it in them yep. and they weren't going to be stopped. Even in an ancient patriarchal culture, mm-hmm. they still lived out their gifts, skills, abilities, coupled with ambition, coupled with grit. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's worth having the conversation of, you know, women um, versus men on this topic, because yeah. I do think it, it, it is definitely more difficult for women to live with ambition and not feel guilty about it (laughs) and not feel like they're doing something wrong. I think that, you know, maybe even in some urban cities or different places where you may have grown up where women are celebrated and pushed through, but I just don't think that that's the majority culture is saying, yes, women have ambition, move forward, you know, freaking do, do your dang thing. I don't think that that's the common mantra of the world that we live in. I think part of it is that femininity has traditionally been wrapped up in notions of caring, self-sacrifice, and submissiveness. Yeah. And so when we see women who color outside those lines, then they aren't fitting the dominant cultural 
way of living that every woman should live. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we were always made to be like this. And I, wouldn't you say, I feel like, you know, the tempering mm-hmm. <laughs> of girls' ambition starts so young. So young. So yes. young. I think you can see it in preschool, mm-hmm. obviously elementary school, mm-hmm. and then it just carries on. In fact, if you ask girls in elementary school what they're going to be when they grow up, um, what they want to do, what they think they're capable of, and you ask those same questions in high school and then in their 20s, mm-hmm. the confidence and the charisma and the belief dramatically decreases the older they get. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? It because really is. is. Because we have trained them to be second. Yes. But in, Keep going. That's good. Keep yeah. going. You know what? I was going to stop with that so you can yeah. pick up the mantle. <laughs> pick up that mantle. <laughs> well, I will then. I definitely think it does start really, really young. And, you know, I even think about the generation that went before us, you know, like, man, what they had to go through. I mean, there really were only a couple of careers. Or even if you think about our grandparents' generation, there were really only a few careers that women could pursue um, and that were okay for women in society to have. And now mm-hmm. I think about, you know, how far we've progressed, not to say that we don't need to keep going further to make the way wide for women to be able to step on this beautiful path to pursue whatever's in their heart to do whatever calling they have from God but it is very interesting to watch how um, you know even in classrooms maybe you know a girl may not be able to go down the engineering track as easily as she might be able to go down the track for um, you know a teacher And I think that's really interesting that we kind of pigeonhole women into certain spaces or think about people like us who might be called to operate in the faith space who are unable to, you know, go wide in that and run in those certain lanes. You know, there's still places that say, no, you can't come in here. (laughs) You know, you cannot preach at this conference. No, you cannot be a part of what we're doing here. No, you cannot make decisions at this table. And it really boils down to gender. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that's very interesting. The faith space, I've been very lucky in my in my life to have been part of churches that really celebrate women. And I'm so, so thankful for that. But I know that that's not the norm. And even being in a church, as I get wider and wider in the Christian, um, the big C church, I realize mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just not this way for women. And so yeah. it still, it still surprises me. I don't know if it's like, I'm surprised and not surprised at all. <laughs> but there's still those moments where I'm like, what are we still dealing with this? Women are really dealing with this? Oh, yeah. We have a long way to go, don't we? I yes, think we it's do. interesting how in the 20s and 30s and 40s, women, you know, during wartime, they were the ones filling jobs in factories. They were the ones who had to put on a pair of pants and show up for work because yeah. all the men were gone. And then they harnessed this agency during that time. And they, they realized as they banded together, they could lobby, they could move, they could march, they could petition yeah. for care they could petition for a place at the table because everyone else was gone and so then you have all these men return home from war yeah and now all these women are in the workplace and Mm -hmm. it's now you know as time goes on it they're they're at work but they're not advancing into high levels of leadership right but they're still making up such a large part of the workforce and Mm -hmm. so it's been so beautiful to see over the past really i would say even a hundred years where women have continually pushed the envelope, continually pushed the envelope to say we are capable, we are smart, we are willing, we are passionate, yeah. and we're still going to birth them babies. <laughs> yeah. It really is pretty pretty amazing what women can do. It really when, is. And I want to say, you know, if you, um, if you have felt 
that you need to hide your ambition, that you need to hide that you want to do things besides um, maybe the work you're currently doing. You want to explore and dream about something outside of your current roles, whatever that may be, motherhood, school, volunteering, Mm -hmm. um, whatever the case may be. It can feel indulgent to do so Mm -hmm. because we think, man, I just, they're going to think I'm, you know, giving up all of the things that I should be spending my time with. But that's the very thing. We are projecting on ourselves what we believe people expect us to do. Yeah. And in reality, there's room for us to grow. There's room for us to expand. Just as Ashley said, you know, she grew up in a place that did celebrate women, but you know, we both understand it hasn't always been like that, especially in the church. Mm -hmm. But there is room for you to be ambitious. There is room for you to push yourself and there. And I believe when you do, you become the truest version of yourself. Right. Which is exactly what we need in the world, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anne Lamott talks about this, how, um, in, you know, writing is her craft. If you don't know who she is, she, she schools and workshops writers and is a brilliant writer herself, but she talks about how writing is really just becoming the most true version of yourself. And Mm. I think that's so powerful to think about what does that really mean when a woman comes alive, when she realizes, Oh, ambition is not a dirty word. Like, what do you think that means, Tiffany, for the world as more and more women decide, no, this is what I was born to do. It's what I was created to do. And I'm going to do it. Even if that is homeschooling children, staying at Mm -hmm. home. So Tiffany and I are in full support of whatever field or career or ambition that you have. So we want to make that very clear. We don't believe that there's, you know, some stigma attached to staying at home with your children or to working outside of the home or to doing a great combo of both. You know, we believe that whatever you're created to do, you should do it. But Tiffany, what happens when women step in to their purpose this way? Well, I think first you have to take a look at the handicap because if we don't see what we could become in other women, it's hard to believe that we could ever do it. So true. And so if more. we don't see a woman in top leadership, if we don't see a woman in a particular field, let's say tech or engineering or politics, whatever the case may be, if we don't see them at the top of their game, how on earth could we do that? If some of the best and brightest can't seem to get there, how on earth could we do that? But the truth is they're, they have pushed the ceiling higher and mm-hmm. they have you know, broken it down in many cases and they make room for us to do so. So I think first being able to visioneer, thank you, Andy Stanley, for that great <laughs> verb. <laughs> if we can visioneer what it could be like to be in that position and I think really look for other women who are killing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it can get really isolating when you aren't surrounding yourself with other women who are ambitious. And again, we aren't saying ambition is reserved for those who want to work outside the home. Correct. Because we believe that wherever you're called is what you should be doing. It's what you should be doing. And there's, you don't owe anyone any excuses or explanations for pursuing what you believe God has put in front of you to pursue. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, walking that ambition out is so much easier when you have sisters for the journey who are also getting at it in whatever field they call, they feel called to. So it doesn't matter if it's completely different. I, in fact, I have a friend, she is a restaurant owner. Hmm. Um, she's a franchisee of a Chick-fil-A locally. And it has been so sweet to dream with her and dream Hmm. big with her and push the envelope. And I remember about gosh, seven or eight years ago, we would work out together every afternoon and I would talk about writing someday and writing books and being able to travel more and speak and living a little bit differently. 
knowing that I wouldn't be dependent on a organization to pay my bills or a job to pay my bills, but I would, I would really push and get at it on my own. Hmm. And she was dreaming, she had a pickle company at the time and she was dreaming of getting that pickle company large enough to where she could sell it to a major food distributor Hmm. and, and dreaming of how, how could I maximize my impact with these little pickles? And she started with her grandma's recipe and then was selling 8,000 units a month within, gosh, a year and was in thousands upon thousands of grocery stores across the country, Whole Foods, Kroger, Ralph's, um, you know, just, just killing it. Wow. And it was so sweet because why? Iron sharpens iron. Right. And although we were in completely different industries, we both felt like we had the opportunity and the honor to push each other to be the best we could be. I really love that. It's so powerful. And you sharing to us seeing women and thinking about um, one of our dear friends who is a man and he's always been a business owner, entrepreneur, just and always very high up in any company that he's worked for. And one of the things I remember him telling me about was a woman that he was mentoring on the job and how he was teaching her to negotiate her salary. And one of her responses to that was she had no idea, number one, that it was okay to negotiate her salary. Like she just thought she had to take the first run of whatever came at her. Um, and so he was teaching her ways to go back and forth and how to do it in a respectful way and how to write the emails and how much she should be expecting for because this is actually what's available to her and how he watched her just have this game-changing experience. And then he said one of the most frustrating things about uh, mentoring her, in addition to the system that they were a part of that didn't always value women, he's in the tech world, but he said one of the most frustrating things is that he so believed in her and would have kept making a way for her, but waiting for her to believe in herself often frustrated him as a, as a mentor. Um, and I love that. And as him and I dialogued, I'm like, why would she believe in herself? You know, I, I appreciate his long journey of suffering and walking alongside her because he eventually launched her out into this beautiful, brilliant career. Um, and at the same time, it was good for him to acknowledge like, man, women really like your whole life, you've been taught to be undervalued and all men get taught for the most part in, in, depending on the field they work in, their socioeconomic bracket, their education. So considering all those things, but usually men in the workforce um, don't mind negotiating. They will ask for raises, you know, mm-hmm. that's very common for a man to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I just appreciated that he could see no one's out there teaching women this. And I think that leads me to something else. I know you and I, a passion that we share, but you know, women don't often teach other women because you're the only one there or you need Mm -hmm. to be remain the only one there so you can have some power and um don't bring other women through like i can't think of women who are sitting down having conversations about oh this is what a book advance should be or this is you know um what it looks like to be in a in a top field or an executive position and here's how you negotiate and here's how you speak to your boss and here's what you can believe for i just don't hear those conversations happening in women do you I don't. And I think especially women encouraging other women, like you said, we have to protect the position we have. Right. And we must never forget ambition should never be severed from compassion. Come on. Those play hand in hand. So yes, when they we, do. And of course, as we've said, you do not separate drive and focus from the feminine experience. Right. You, you couple those and I know, I know we're used to letting other people go first. I got kids. I know what it's like to go yeah. second, you know, like right. we all do. We let people cut in yes. front of us in traffic. Maybe not you, Ashley. <laughs> Probably <I> not. <laughs> <laughs> we let other people go first because that is a very beautiful, glorious part of our nature. Yes. But at the same time, we must couple that and tether that to an ambitious spirit mm-hmm. because the women who are both compassionate and ambitious 
they're the ones who change the world. It's so true. Do you have some favorite women like that from afar or up close? Oh my goodness, I totally do. <laughs> I, uh, um, in fact, I just have to tell you, I know listeners, you can't see me, but I'm drinking a cup that Ashley Abercrombie bought me on my book launch day. <laughs> and it has just women who are hmm. killing everybody from uh, Frida to Harriet to hmm. Margaret Thatcher to Helen Keller to Cleopatra to Coco Chanel, Rosa Parks, hmm. Malala, Susan B. Anthony. I mean, really, any of those ones would fit the, <laughs> fit the bill. But my personal yes. favorite women who um, are both ambitious and compassionate, I would say a very a dear friend of mine who um, she was a writer for the Seattle Times. Hmm. She's an author. She explained to me that I should never feel gross or indulgent about putting my work out in the world, my writing, hmm. my speaking, um, because it is a good thing. It's a yes. good thing. And other people may be selling, you know, a, a shake or a, a scarf, but, and I'm selling my words and that can feel weird because it's a part of me. But if you know what you have is good, never be afraid to get out there and get it to the most amount of people. And at the same time, never, you know, separating that compassionate way of doing so. Mm, I really love that. Yes, I have so many from afar as well. And one up close that comes to mind is um, very, very similar in nature is uh, my friend Don Sadler. And she's an amazing Christian coach and a business entrepreneur. She's phenomenal. She's owned like award-winning agencies and just done all this incredible work and has a passion for faith and work to go together. And I remember initially when I was on my writing journey, you know, talking to her about my real struggle with platform building, where I'm like, oh, I just really don't want to do this. You know, similar to you, Tiffany, I was like, this is so gross. I have to like talk Ugh. about myself and try mm -hmm. to build this platform, which ultimately does affect the career and field that I'm in. Um, and she said something so similar to me. I remember her just looking at me going, but you're, you're writing, even something on a silly little social media post, it has the capacity to affect and serve people. So why mm -hmm. would you not want that out there? And it was just this great way of switching the narrative in my head. And I feel like beautiful, ambitious women do that. They switch the narrative for us where it's like all oh, this old tape that I've been told that this is selfish, that it's self-indulgent. It actually is not true. You know, when I'm coming from the right heart and the right motivation, I actually have the capacity to serve another person. So why would I not want to do that? These are the tools that God has given me. So Lord, help me use them. Um, and Dawn has been so, so helpful to me. And Tiffany and I are going to include a couple of resources in the show notes, but certainly Dawn's resources will be there for you guys, because we want you to have access to more women who can help you just go for gold in whatever area you're, you're in. Because of who Christ created you to be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because of the joy and goodness and mm. life and peace and generosity tucked in your bones. The world needs you. Yes. Each yes. and every one of you. Yes. The real person that you were created to be. We need you. Yeah. Ashley, do you have any final words? No. Right, neither do I. Well, <laughs> we love you. We believe yes, in you. We, we think of you so often. We care yes. for you. And we thank you so much for joining us on the journey of Why Though. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.